We finally have a Speaker of the House, but now what? Time to get to work, that's what. It's Thursday, October 26th, and I've got Scott Pressler, Kirk Cameron, and my picks for Losers of the Week all coming up next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Until yesterday, you may have never heard of Congressman Mike Johnson from Louisiana's 4th Congressional District, but you're about to hear a lot from him now that he is our Speaker of the House, finally. He seems like a pretty solid guy to me, even just going on this little nugget alone. But finally having a Speaker, even a good one, isn't going to be enough for Republicans to hang their hats on. In fact, after weeks of chaos and infighting, every single one of them is on probation in my eyes. Not only do elected Republicans have to prove to registered Republicans that they can actually represent us, they better get to work on a unified agenda to present to the American people, and they've got less than a year to show us some real work. If they don't, not only will Republicans likely lose Congress in 2024, they probably deserve to. If only these elected and taxpayer-funded politicians had half the hunger, half the guts, half the work ethic of my next guest, maybe we could actually win something for a change. The GOP, from top to bottom, can learn a whole lot from Scott Pressler. He's been traveling the country, living out of his car in a suitcase with one simple but challenging mission, get out the vote for Republicans. I gotta be honest, a lot of our elected representatives don't deserve the work Scott has done on their behalf and without a paycheck, but he does it anyway. And if anyone knows what it's gonna take to win, where the GOP falls short and how to fix it all, it's Scott Pressler, and he joins me now. Scott, it's great to have you as always. I know that you're always on the road. I think you've been most recently in Pennsylvania working to get out the vote. What are you seeing on the ground where you are? Well, you know, we have a Supreme Court election this November, Tammy. Nobody's talking about it. And as we saw under the COVID lockdowns, Supreme Court elections matter. They rule on election integrity. They rule on whether or not universal mail-in ballots are accepted. So this election is consequential. And yes, I understand the importance of Ukraine and Israel and the speakership and everything else that's going on. But guys, we have to focus on the now. And if I make make a personal appeal to everybody that's watching right now who cares about election integrity, every county commissioner seat 
and the entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is up for election this November. And it's those very county commissioners that also control the elections. So if you at home want to make Joe Biden a one-term president and that the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania votes to elect a Republican, then I ask that you come out this November and vote for your Republican county commissioners. The work you're doing is so important, especially on that state and local level. You know, there's so much discussion, of course, about 2024 and who our nominee is and Joe Biden and Gavin Newsom. But all of that on a day-to-day -day basis probably matters far less to the average American than what happens at the state and the local level, even within their school boards and their city councils. Unfortunately, there's not enough national attention on any of that. But while you're out working on these other races that are so important, we know Wisconsin was also a missed opportunity in that regard. When you're out there and you're talking to people and you're talking to voters, what are you hearing from them? Are you hearing that they plan to vote Republican? Are you hearing that they are still kind of never Trump? What is the sentiment on the ground? Because I feel like what you're seeing and hearing is probably far different even than what national polls are telling us. Well, Twitter is not real life. Social media is not real life. And so when we hear on social media, I'm not voting, the elections are rigged, all that kind of stuff, I'm not seeing the same thing on the ground and talking to people. I was in Slippery Rock talking about how, look, the Democrats, they've they may very well shut down the state again. And so therefore, we have to vote this November for Judge Carolyn Carluccio for the Supreme Court. And people were saying, yes, Scott, I'm voting. Yes, I'm coming out. I'm bringing five of my friends. And I've been traveling to small towns all across the Commonwealth. Yard signs are out. People are fired up. So there is not the same lack of concern at the ground level as there is on social media. And I think it's important that we point that out because some people, they just go on Facebook or Twitter and they believe what they see there, but that's not what I'm seeing on the ground. Are you having luck convincing, especially Republican voters that they do need to vote early and take advantage of all these new election strategies that we might very well hate and wish we could get rid of, but have to live with? Are they becoming a little more open to what you've been preaching for the last couple of years? Well, I saw, Tommy, in the introduction, you included a photo of me with Governor-elect Jeff Landry and my work in Louisiana. And I'm very proud to say that not only did we elect Governor-elect Jeff Landry on day one of the primary, it's not going to a runoff for him. He won over 51% of the vote. But the interesting thing is in 2019, Democrats won early voting 44% to 41%. And in 2023, this year, we had the inverse. Republicans won early voting 44% to 41%. And that did play a role in Jeff Landry winning outright on day one, not going to a runoff. And it's in part because of earlyvoteaction.com, my organization, pushing for an all-of-the-above approach to voting. But I'll tell you guys right now, in Pennsylvania, the Democrats are beating us overwhelmingly with mail-in voting right now, with early voting. Now, asterisk, some of that is Allegheny County, and we have an important county executive seat that even though that county is two to one, a lot of the Democrats are supporting Joe Rocky for county executive 
because the Democrat has gone so far left, so regressive, so socialist, it's pushing moderate Democrats to the right. So some of the numbers may not be a Democrat ballot in its entirety. Well, that's great to hear. Do you think that's going to translate to a general election in 2024? Do you think that some of those moderate Democrat or independent voters are looking at the disasters that the Democrats have brought us in the last few years? Do you think that they're more likely to flip their vote Republican or are you still seeing a lot of resistance when it comes to a name like Donald Trump? Well, I think it's important that we don't get stuck on labels or pushing someone to think of themselves as a Republican. This is about the candidate. This is about policies. This is about the America First agenda. And I'll tell you, I just spent time at Penn State University, the belly of the beast at State College, and I'm bringing a message to young people. Joe Biden wants young men and women to fight his wars. And that is relatable. And let me tell you, when I was talking about that, fight for Ukraine, you know, fight for Joe Biden. We need young men and women to go fight his wars. The young people were not having it. And we registered a plurality of Republicans, even on the last day of voter registration in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So our message going forward is no mandates affordable housing, food, gas prices, secure that gosh darn border. We want peace, no new wars, no new boots on the ground, and bring manufacturing and jobs here in America, not selling them overseas. Those are the messages that are going to win us the presidency in 2024. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, I wish that no new wars, no endless funding of Ukraine. I wish that we could say that that was a Republican message but unfortunately, our party is very divided that on that as well. You've got Nikki Haley that's kind of actively beating the drum of war. You've got others like Senator Lindsey Graham, of course, who's always beating the drum of war. So I fear that there could be some Republicans that get in the way of those very pure, easy to understand, easy to follow messages that you're out there communicating to young people. Are you worried at all about the factions of the Republican Party throwing a wrench in the machine that you've worked so hard to streamline? Well, I'm thankful for Matt Gates, and I'm thankful for what happened with the speakership. I know that it was messy, and I know that it took a couple weeks to get there, but I think America is better off under this new speaker, Mike Johnson. And I think we saw, guys, we're the problem. America is funding Palestine and Iran and therefore Hamas, while at the same time we're funding Israel and the Iron Dome, our government right now is playing both sides of the equation and that needs to stop. We cannot be the personal piggy bank of the rest of the world funding terrorism and then funding relief to stop terrorism and then funding it again. That makes no sense while our education system is crumbling, our roads are crumbling, why are we helping the rest of the world while we are falling from within? And I think that really needs to be our message that everything should be America first and we provide relief for us, our people. Yeah, I wish that that could just be the motto of the Republican Party at large. Unfortunately, there are some loud voices that have other ideas. But I know that you're focused a lot on state by state and what's winnable and what needs to be won in order to flip this country yes. back red. 
What states do you think are, are at the top of your list that are to you winnable and that we should be focusing a lot of energy and attention on as we head into not only these important elections that you're working on now, but the big ones coming up in a year? Sure. Well, I'll start on now. So this November, we do have elections. Everyone listening at home, we have Kentucky governorship, Daniel Cameron for governor. We have Louisiana runoffs. Yes, we won in Louisiana, but we still have secretary of state runoff. We have attorney general runoff, and that's going to be on Saturday, November 18th. So that election's not done, Louisiana. Mississippi, we have to hold the governorship with Tate Reeves. And then we have New Jersey. They have a trifecta state government. If you want to stop Democratic Governor Murphy from passing reckless and dangerous legislation, then we need the General Assembly. Virginia, we have Governor Glenn Youngkin, a Republican, and a Republican House of Delegates. If we pick up two state Senate seats, we control the entire legislature in Virginia. And as I mentioned to you, Pennsylvania, every county commissioner seat, if you care about election integrity, the judicial Supreme Court, if you want to make sure that we have an opportunity to win back the court until 2035, wow. we won't be able to win it until 2035 otherwise. But my organization, Tommy, Early Vote Action, because I'm forward thinking, we are focused on Arizona, Nevada, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Those are my five. And I know people may say, Scott, what about Michigan? What about New Hampshire? What about Georgia? Well, we win those five. We win according to the Electoral College. We went over 270. Now, if I get more resources, if I get more people supporting my work, certainly I can expand to other states, but I'm a reasonable person focused on with what I have on those five currently as it stands. Yeah, you're right about those states. And, uh, you know, I really worry as well about Arizona and Nevada. You know, Arizona has always been a little weird, but it used to be a little bit more reliably red. And I think that 2022 midterms really turned everything on its head. And that state has become such a wild card, but it's so winnable if we're able to just get out the vote and get out the message like you've been doing and like a lot of other, you know, I wish other Republicans were doing. Last thing I want to ask you, every day I see your tweet, I believe today is a, a day 195 of you reaching out to RNC chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel. Still no response. Has anybody from the RNC reached out to you? Has anybody noticed your work or offered to help you in your endeavors? Well, I do want to give a shout out to Casey Crosby. She's the treasurer of the RNC. And I did work with her in the Commonwealth of Kentucky for Daniel Cameron for governor. There are people who see value in my work. I was just texting with Harmeet Dillon, who was running for RNC chair, who's a state committee woman for California. And within the last two weeks, I've had three different state GOP chairs reach out to me. You know, so people do see value. I mean, clearly, the work we did in Louisiana worked. The voter registration we're doing in Pennsylvania works. The work we're doing on the ground in Nevada, translating independent voters to Republican, works. I have a methodology that had the proof of concept has been shown to be successful. And whether or not the RNC or at the national level is going to take advantage of that, that's fine. People can go to earlyvoteaction.com. You can support my work. You can join the team. And you can, please, the last thing that I want to say is if you want to help win Pennsylvania, even if you don't live there, please download my application, 
early vote action. It's on Android and iPhone. You can make phone calls from the comfort of your home into Allegheny County. And I'm telling you right now, we win this race for Joe Rocky for county executive. It will make nationwide news. It will be the biggest upset of the year. And you all will have played a part in it. Scott, you do such amazing work. Earlyvoteaction.com. That's where people can go check out your work and get involved, especially young people who feel voiceless right now and helpless. They want to do something. They can work with you. They can help you. They can do it in their community. We really appreciate everything that you've done. I hope that you get, you know, a little bit more attention and praise for all the hard work you do, but I know that's not why you do it. Thank you Thank for you. what you do, and I'm honored to be able to have you on my show and get that word out. We hope to talk to you soon. Be safe on the road. Thank you, Tommy. All right. The nation is divided. The world is divided. There's so much hate, misunderstanding, and miseducation all around us. It's enough to overwhelm even the most aware and observant adults. But what about kids? How are they being impacted by the news, the division, and the moral depravity of popular culture? Well, my next guest might be a child star, but in this chapter of his career, he's dedicated his energy towards educating children in ways they can understand with material they and parents can feel good about. His latest book might be the most needed one yet. The Fox, the Fair, and the Invention Scare is centered around teaching kids how to overcome conflict and love their enemies. Actor-turned-author Kirk Cameron joins me now. So, Kirk, a new book. You've done so many at this point, but you're trying mm -hmm. to save the young people, which is a worthwhile endeavor, although some people, a little jaded, don't think it can be done. But the latest book, Fox Fair and the Invention Scare, kind of teaches kids how to love their enemies, maybe have a better outlook on the world, not an us versus them mentality. Mm -hmm. A lot of us versus them in the world with adults. So how do kids navigate this right now? I, I think that's what they're asking us. How do we navigate this world that you've left for us. You guys have really screwed it up. Um, you, you just mentioned I'm trying to save children. I, I think that's the plan because saving the planet from climate disaster, uh, wars in the Middle East, uh, even saving our own nation from the Trumpsters versus the Bideners or the Obamers, I, I'm not exactly sure the best way forward except teach our children from our own mistakes and say there's a better way than do unto others before they do it unto you. And, and I think that's the way of loving your enemies. I think it's the way of, of uh, doing good to those who hate you. And if we can start on a personal level with kids when they're young, I think maybe they can build a future for themselves that's better than the one that we're going to leave for them if we continue on the current path. Right. That's the hard part now, though, is they're not getting a lot of lessons from the news media, from the world at large. Oh. There's protests in the streets. I mean, when we ha talked to you before, it was just protests in favor of drag queens, and now it's protests in favor of terror organizations. And kids see this, and they're aware of it to some extent. How do you, as an author, as a parent, how do you, I guess, suggest that other parents talk to their kids whether they're young or they're in high school or they're in college even, about what's going on in the world and how not to be angry and bitter yeah. as adults are. You start by growing a beard, man. Yeah. Um, when you turn 13, things will start to grow on your, and you, be just, you embrace it. You pour miracle grow on that. Um, we've got to understand that uh, uh, boys become men and girls become women, and uh, we can start there. And then uh, I, I think... We lead by example, and we tell the right stories to our kids. 
I gotta, I gotta tell this story to you because it changed my perspective on what you do with arch enemies in your life. I was in Washington DC several years ago and was blown away at an Restore America rally when an older couple stepped up to the microphone and addressed a crowd of us and they shared their gut-wrenching story of how their teenage son had been violently gunned down and murdered by a gang member in an inner city. And it was their unwavering faith in God and his faithfulness to redeem this situation somehow that kept him going. Then they introduced this young man who comes up to the podium and he explains when he was young, he got caught up in the wrong crowd, joined a gang, committed a violent crime, got thrown into prison, and during visiting hours, the, 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 the young man was visited by the couple that just introduced him, and they revealed to him they were the parents of the young man he had murdered. Wow. And they came to tell him that they didn't hate him, that they had forgiven him in their heart, and that God is a God of mercy and forgiveness and new beginnings, and that they would be praying for him in prison. When he got out, they legally adopted him as their son and brought him into their family and raised him for the rest of his young teenage years. And through tears, he explained how the power of forgiveness and loving your enemies had changed him and given him a new life. So that's not normal. That, right. is, that is not intuitive to do something like that. And it's exactly what Jesus said. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you, and you'll be like your father in heaven. Well, what's, what's he like? He said, he sends the sun to rise on the good and the evil, and sends rain to water the crops of the righteous and the unrighteous. So be perfect in love, just like your father in heaven is perfect. If we can begin to wrap our minds around that by first drawing down on that love that God showed me when I was his enemy through my rebellion, my greed, my pride, it changes me and gives me a capacity to now look at someone uh, who has a different ancestry than me, a different color skin, a different religion, a different philosophy of life, and say, I wanna consider you more important than me. How can I do good for you even though our parents have been at war for generations? I think if we start there, uh, there's a lot of smart kids in the world and they could figure this out. I, I hope that you're right. I think that there's probably a lot of examples that aren't like your examples. And, you know, Hollywood dictates a lot. You come from Hollywood, you know it well, you grew up in it. So what is pop culture teaching young people? And is there anything that you see in pop culture that gives you hope? You grew up in it, you know it, things have changed a lot. But is there something there? Is there something in the belly of that beast that gives you some optimism about where culture is headed? By and large, I would say, no, I don't look to Hollywood or politics, media, um, industries that monetize children or monetize human behavior are, are generally not to be trusted. Th that's why, um, you know, Ronald Reagan used to love to quote the Bible and say, um, I look to the mountains and I ask, where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. I think that hope for me is not gonna come from the White House, it's gonna come from my house and from your house. Um, change is not gonna be the result of who governs us or the laws that we make in a nation. I think lasting change comes from the power of God working in the hearts of people. And, and, and God bless those like you and filmmakers and politicians like the new speaker of the house, Mike Johnson, hello, known him for 15 years, great oh, guy. Great. 
who are in those positions of pop culture that can be conduits of heaven to earth in those spheres of society. So that's where I think our hope is. It's, it's not in institutions, it's not in industries, it's not gonna be, you know, the, the, the enemies finally agreeing with the good guys. I think it's going to be heaven downloading into the hearts and minds of people who recognize that they've been recipients of forgiveness, kindness, and grace, and then extending that to others. So, um, to be honest, I need to do a better job of this personally. Um, I've got a lot of people who consider me their enemies. Um, I'm a conservative, white, Christian man. Um, and there are those out there who think that I am, uh, I'm, I'm the devil. And so I want to extend an olive branch and meet with atheists, drag queens, con- uh, leftists, and progressives, have a cup of coffee and say, Let's talk, just like you and me right now, we're talking and let's talk about what kind of stories should we teach our children? How do we give them hope in the face of the world at war? And what is morality that's gonna lead to human flourishing? Because maybe I'll learn something from you that I'm not expecting. Maybe you've got a blind spot that I could shed some light on and maybe we could work together to solve some problems. Maybe like Abraham Lincoln said, uh, do I not destroy my enemies by making them my friends? Speaking of the drag queens, I hope that you sit down with one and and have coffee. That would be an interesting exchange. You know, a drag queen would love your studio right here. I'm just telling you, (laughs) the the silky pink, um, the feathers, um, this 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 is pretty sweet. Well, thank you. And we've invited a drag queen in here. Actually, they they refuse. No, you know why? If you installed a pole from there up to (laughs) there, they might just... Slide right we in have to invite children, and so that would be a, that a problem given we're in the back of a distillery. Also, slight conflict right. of interest. I love there. the speakeasy motif. This is really, yes. this is really. Well, it's the drag unique. den now, but we we don't we couldn't bring a drag queen in here because they didn't want to join us. I wanted to have those conversations as well. We're in Tennessee. We know we tried to ban drag queen shows for children, um, and then they struck that down because apparently you're able to do that even in a conservative state. So we're still battling that, but. Drag queens show up at your story time mm-hmm. hours yeah. and they're angry with you and they're mad that you're teaching kids a wholesome message, I guess. Mm. But have you ever been able to have a conversation with one of these protesters and were you able to kind of talk them off the ledge at all? No, I've, I've not had the opportunity to do that, um, mostly because they're, they're, they're usually there with an agenda to disrupt. Um, got a bullhorn or some signs or they're blocking views of kids and families. Um, one of them uh, was, I thought, did a great job uh, in terms of arts and crafts and had a big sign out in front of the library that said, Kirk, you're growing into a real pain. I was like, give that man a free book. Yeah. <laughs> growing pain joke. Uh, but no, I, I haven't had a chance. However, I, I actually, uh, a buddy of mine, um, when he shares his, his, his story of coming to faith in God, he actually reveals a very... Uh, interesting adventure of how he paid his way through college as a drag queen. And um, for him, it started out as just something fun, but obviously there was a lot more going on inside, a a deeper story that was playing itself out. And uh, he kind of showed me kind of behind the curtain, the underbelly, if you will, of that whole world. And uh, it broke my heart, honestly, and gave me a sense of compassion and uh, maybe some some empathy for what many of these people who are advocating these other value systems are actually going through in order to repair 
what's going on inside. So I, I, I don't mean to say that condescendingly. I, I'm trying to say that compassionately because uh, I've, 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 I've had to wrestle my own demons. Uh, fortunately, it's, it, you know, it's not, it's not uh, high heels and feather boas. Um, <laughs> But issues of uh, you know identity and purpose and and uh, competency and and belonging and all, all those sort of core human needs and um, I, I would love for us to find greater common ground and understanding so that we could not be fighting with one another but we could actually like help each other. Right. You grew up in Hollywood. How old were you when you started acting? I was nine years old when nine I started old. with like some. Um, McDonald's commercials, 409 Cleaner, uh, and then I was 14 when I started Growing Pains, and that was sort of the big, you know, rocket launch to a, to a sitcom career. Right. Would you advise children as young as you were to get into that industry? Well, I think, I think, Two answers to that is um, I wouldn't advise a, a child at nine years old to get into that industry. I would want to talk with the parents um, because they're the ones with the wisdom and the uh, sacred duty to shepherd their little hearts and minds and lives. And uh, I would say be very cautious and very careful because a lot of parents get their kids into these things for what the kid can do for the parents, mm -hmm. like make a lot of money so we can remodel the house and get a nicer car, right? Right. Um, but there are other things that kids need to learn that are, that are far more important, like faith and character, so that they can handle the war zone that is Hollywood. Um, we don't send children to war. That, that, that's a terrible idea. We, we train them for one day when they will have to defend their families on the battlefield, uh, and that takes time. But I would say for people of faith and, and strong moral character, we need you in the entertainment industry. We need you to be lawyers and politicians and all the dirty jobs because when we don't go there and fill those places with integrity, right. the vacuum's created, the swamp just flows in, and then all of a sudden we complain about the monsters who are ruining our lives, and yet it's our fault because we didn't go into those places, which is why I have uh, so much respect for people of faith and integrity in difficult jobs with lots of influence. Right now, we have the bombshells coming out of the Britney Spears memoir. It's the number one uh, selling celebrity book, I think, of all time at this point. And we're mm. in week one. And she revealed a lot of like really deep things in that book. And we're still learning about what her childhood was like. But as somebody that kind of was huh. in it around the same time as Britney Spears yeah. and had to grow up through that, I mean, you're one of the only child actors that I can think of that hasn't been riddled with a lot of issues down the line. If you go through all the Disney Channel stars, the sitcom stars, Nickelodeon, the music industry, yeah. everyone seems to have a lot of issues. Yeah. How did you escape without having all those issues, at least outwardly, that people can see and point to and say, that's an issue? Yeah. Yeah, good, good question. I think I know the answer to why Mike Seaver didn't get caught with a gun in his hand and a bag of cocaine on the cover of the Inquirer magazine. Uh... And it wasn't because of some superior uh, wisdom that I had at 17 years old. I got into plenty of trouble. Um, I think I had a crush on Alyssa Milano back in the day and, uh, and Debbie Gibson, uh, for those of you who remember back in the <laughs> 1980s. Um, but honestly, uh, there was a really cute girl that invited me to church and it changed my life. I was an atheist who thought it was the stupidest thing in the world that people believed in an invisible being called God. But you know, um, I think God had different plans for me that day. And uh, it, 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 was the, 
it was a divine setup that changed my life. And today, uh, I tell people I'm a recovering atheist, and I have full faith and confidence in a loving God who has a plan for my life. And uh, that began when I was a teenager. And that's what's put me on, on a road where I was steering away from drugs and alcohol and parties and uh, the things that we might be reading about in some of these child star memoirs. Um, my memoir would be filled more with uh, my favorite Prince song, uh, you know, the, the girls that I liked but was too embarrassed to ask out, and how I was trying to understand how I could navigate this life of faith in Hollywood with so many people who just thought I was a crazy religious person. And, and those were my challenges. But those are challenges that are so good because they develop your faith, your conviction, and your character. Right. So that I could be here 30 years later, 40 years later, and be talking to you on your show about great stuff like this and writing books for kids. Right. Will there ever be a Growing Pains reunion? Will we ever get that? We've had Growing Pains reunions. I think we've had four of them by now. Um, you know, uh, I think if we have any more, I, I'm going to be like, you know, uh, in, a, in, a, in a wheelchair or a walker <laughs> with tennis balls on the front of them because, um, you know, uh, we've had like three so far and, and uh, I would love it if we could get the entire cast back together, right. which, well, Alan has right. passed away, but... We'd love to get uh, Leonardo DiCaprio to come because he was on Growing Pains. Brad Pitt was on so Growing you, you Pains. you got to tell me that because your, your views and the views of Brad Pitt and Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio know, probably couldn't be more separate. Are you on speaking terms with them? Would that oh, be yeah. an uncomfortable conversation? Oh, I don't know. We'd have to, we'd have to try. The last uh, conversation we had uh, with, I had with my wife with, uh, with Leonardo was at Alan Thicke's uh, funeral, and it was so good to see Leo at that time. We haven't seen him in quite, quite a long, long time. And um, as for Brad Pitt, no, I haven't talked to him in a long time. So, uh, he, uh, yeah, he, he, he was on Growing Pains as a teenager. Right. So that's been a long time. But that, that would be a great conversation, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it yeah. be cool to be able to have civil discourse with people who are diametrically opposed to things. But at the end of the day, we, we really aren't that far apart. Um, we want to be known. We want to be valued. We want to be loved. We want to have a sense of who we are, why we're here, where we're headed. And, and we process to come up with answers to those questions in different ways. Uh, for me, I've found the Bible to be my guide. And for others, you know, they'll, they'll find... Climate change. Climate change or... or, <laughs> or uh, other ways to define their morality and their sense of... You know, Do you think important? that's what it is when you talk about someone like Leonardo DiCaprio, obviously yeah. very big into the climate change activism scene. Do you think that that's what it is for a lot of people in Hollywood is they don't have a religion and climate change is the closest thing that gives them a sense of purpose and belonging outside of Hollywood and money and fame? That's an interesting way to, to, um, to view what, what people do. And, and essentially, I, I think that because we're designed by God, we're all worshipers by design. And I could um, decide to worship the creator or I can worship um, some of the really cool parts that, of, of creation. So I could, uh, a worship, I could be a nature worshiper um, or, or some people just worship themselves, right? They're narcissists, they're, they're, right. they're egotists. 
Um, I think we've got some politicians that we can think of who have pretty big egos. And, and there's others who want to worship money and accomplishments. All of these things that I think satisfy five core needs that every human being has, whether you're Leonardo DiCaprio or Britney Spears or Tommy Lauren or her camera, whoever, and that is, um, who am I? Why am I here? What's, what's, what's my purpose in life? Where am I going when I die? When I step out of here, is there anything else out, out of there? And, and where's my tribe? Who wants me? Who, who, what kind of a community do I get to be welcomed into? And um, who can I trust? Where's my security? And I think everyone's gonna find that somewhere. You might find it in a gang, you might find it in a religion, you might find it somewhere else. I think you're actually hardwired to find all of those things through a relationship with God. Um, I've found them and I, I wanna continue to deepen those. Well, we hope that that conversation with you and Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio ever it happens. happens. And you can, you can sort of mediate and you, oh, you could sure be the impresario well, bringing us together right here on your set. I feel like that's not going to happen. Maybe Sean could do it, though. Maybe the, Sean Hannity could. Maybe. You know, he's bringing together Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom, so maybe there's hope. Holy for, cow. Yes. What's, that's going to be good. we got to watch that. Yes. Well, thank you for being here in Nashville in our little drag queen den. We really appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, thank you for the book, Brave Books, The Fox, The Fair, and The, the Invention, Invention Scare. Scare. we got a picture of it there. Yeah, go to, go to bravebooks.com, and you can get the book for free. That's awesome. So free at bravebooks.com. Love it. Thank you so much for being here, Kirk. We always love it when you're in Nashville. Thank you. Great to be here with you. Kirk is forgiving, kind, and non-judgmental, and I aspire to be more like that. But for now, I'm still going to have to be petty, ruthless with a side of W2F because it's time for my losers of the week. First on the list is one of those loving and tolerant Democrats we always hear about. Just kidding. She actually sounds more like a diva witch who berates her underlings with expletives and venom. Meet or listen, rather, to loser one this week, Hillary-endorsed Houston mayoral candidate and representative Sheila Jackson Lee. So when I called Jerome, he only sit up there like a fat stupid idiot talking about uh, what he doesn't know. Okay? Both of y'all are up the f. This is the worst that I could have ever had put together. Two goddamn big children. Idiots. Serve no goddamn purpose. Ain't managing nobody. Nobody's respecting them. Nobody gives about what you're doing. And you ain't doing And this is an example of it. <laughs> F-ups, idiots, and goddamn big-ass children. Now, if she was talking about Congress, I would get it, and you know what? Actually co-sign it, but no. Rep. Sheila Jackson Lee was going in and going ham on her staffers for displeasing her. Since that audio leaked, Sheila Jackson Lee says she is regretful, but we all know she's regretful because she got caught. I bet she's a lot of fun around the holidays. But speaking of holidays, up next is a very festive Halloween display out of Utah which appears to show a pole-dancing skeleton hard at work while two other skeletons look on and offer up cash money for the performance of a lifetime, or I guess more accurately, death time. This display rubbed neighbors and community members the wrong way, and they demanded the display be taken down. The city even posted a photo of the display on its official Facebook with an order to take it down by 9 p.m. on October 18th. Well, the prudes got their wish, and the creative display was disassembled. Now look, was it a little risque? Sure, but I hope these community members are equally outraged by half the crap these kids are being taught in school nowadays, because trust me, it's far worse than a pole dancing skeleton who oddly reminds me a whole lot of Nancy Pelosi. All of this is harmless fun, but my final selection this week is not. 
Remember the two teen degenerates who purposely rammed a stolen vehicle into retired police chief Andreas Propes, killing him and worse, live streamed it all with glee? Well, if you thought those two animals were remorseful, you thought wrong. Jesus Ayala, 18, and Jesimir Keyes, 16, appeared in court this week in Las Vegas, two months after their disgusting act, and could be seen laughing and flipping off the family of the man they killed. This is so repugnant, it makes my blood boil. And yeah, minors are not, they deserve the death penalty. There is a special place in hell for people like that. And while I hope they both have a come to Jesus moment and repent their atrocious sins, I won't hold my breath. And you know, I don't know their parents, but it's pretty obvious they failed miserably. Those are my losers of the week from Nashville. God bless, take care.